You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The enemy is here. He has dominion over the earth in, in many ways. Also, greater is he who is in us, verse 4. He is also in here, my heart. He's in our bodies. And so he is always speaking to us, wanting to alert us of the things of God. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We're continuing our God is Love series, and we are talking about loving first. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. We've got Tyler Keese and Jose Abaroa. Guys, thanks for being here. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning, guys. Great to have y'all. Jose, I love you the first word as we dive into 1 John 4 and all that entails. What was it like preparing for this message? As yeah, you I, I mentioned this yesterday, but one of the things that stood out to me was how we're talking about spirits and antichrist and prophets right off the bat, first three verses. And then he goes on to talk about love. He mentions it 27 times, more than any other chapter in the entire Bible. So I thought it was pretty cool that um, scale of things, how love is way more weighty than the stuff that we tend to really focus in a lot. Now, I did want to spend some time uh, talking about prophets and evil spirits or just spirits and, and the Antichrist and, and the devil's schemes and ways. But really, I think the focus of the chapter is love and how we're called to love as Jesus loved by loving others first. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, well, we're going to jump right in here. And I like to quote, I wrote down here, you talked about, you believe 1 John chapter 4 is the perfect healing balm that teaches us how to navigate the choppy waters just of our culture and our time. And so uh, we've got kind of three points you gave us. And so I want to go jump into each one and kind of talk about practically how we apply these. And the first one is test. It's based on those first three verses here. And uh, I'm not going to ask you to just recite the whole <laughs> the whole section <laughs> message on that. But let's just talk practical. Testing is this of God. Um, I just think about that question and something that you may have heard about before in church, but but what does that what does that look like? We are bombarded with lots of different messages from a lot of different sources. And uh and so how do you both navigate and just kind of first off discern is this of God? This hit me in the face this week because I realized how much I receive from other sources that are not from God. Again, not to say that sources and, and reading news and being in the world is bad. No, we're called to be totally in the world and not of it. But I was convicted how much time I was spending. So for me, practically, that's time on my phone, reading the news, uh, uh, checking social media. So I have a 15-minute timer on Instagram. I, I don't want to spend more than 15 minutes on Instagram. That helps me stay accountable to move on and, and do other things. Um, and so testing and, and recognizing that there are some sources that point us to God, but there's way more sources out there that do not point us to God. This is one of those sources that does point to God, the podcast. This is why we're doing this, right? Is to talk about the things of God and, and share them with our church family so that we can continue um, almost the momentum of Sunday morning to uh, allow it to be, Taylor, you write incredible questions for application so that we can apply them into our Monday through Saturday. So for me, I think it's being aware of what I'm consuming and yeah, asking the question, okay, um, are most of these sources pointing me to God or, or are they not? 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point. Like for me personally, I don't spend a lot of time on like news apps and sites. For me, like my, I guess my release or source is is sports news. I mean, I spend probably the most time on ESPN app or Fox Sports or whatever. And so like even those things, even though they may not be polarizing as far as like finding hard truths, where I have to hold myself accountable, is it, am I turning to sports as my refiller as, you know, to yeah. pour back in and, and my release kind of my, my me time or um, am I pressing into things that, that lead me closer to Jesus? Because as a sports fanatic and you hinted yesterday, referenced the Cowboys yesterday, yep. like yep. right now they won, man, they won. And, and, you know, you talked about happiness yesterday. I'm happy that my Cowboys are on a third game winning streak, but at the same time, man, like that can pull out some yeah. flesh and frustrations and, at times, not lead me closer yeah. to, to Jesus. So that's a good point because not everything is divisive, and and it can be other things that we um, talked about. I talked about wanting a sound bar a few you know Sundays ago. So spending time too much time on those things where um, really the the Lord is wanting our attention, and He's the yeah. source of all that is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a perfect segue to the next question because I was going to ask just that. You talk about testing what we see, what we read, what we hear, but there's a lot of subtle stuff. So you can think of some of, at least for me, I think of some of the immediate messages, but how do you discern the little stuff? I don't know if y'all both have examples on like what some of that stuff would be. Who, like, Where do you go? Who do you go? How do you help discern? Uh, again, beyond just like the church kind of just, yeah, we just want to see if this is from God, but like there's a lot of, that, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So how do we kind of navigate that from just all the subtle uh, decisions that we're constantly faced with on a daily basis? Yeah, there are a lot of little things. Right now, what comes to mind is busyness. We can all get lost in the normal routine of things. Okay, so it's Monday, so I'm going to do Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You just get into a routine and you miss out on maybe something that God had for you in a conversation on your way from A to B, from picking up kids to school to, uh, you know, baseball practice or soccer practice or dance or band or, or whatever the extracurricular activity is, or from work to school, you, or I'm sorry, from work to home, you had an opportunity to maybe talk to a colleague for five minutes about something deeper in their day. And, and so I think what I learned and am learning is that God is in all of those things. Now, in the verse, I'm going to read a little bit from 1 John 4. He says in verse 3, uh, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So the enemy is here. He has dominion over the earth in, in many ways. Also, greater is he who is in us, verse 4. He is also in here, my heart. He's in our bodies. And so he is always speaking to us, wanting to alert us of the things of God in our times. And I think a lot of those little things for me is, is busyness. I, I don't want busyness to steal those God moments from uh, my everyday. Yeah, and I would echo the same thing. For me, um, in student ministry and at home with with two littles under the age of four, is it's that busyness and, and sometimes being more focused on the schedule and keeping the schedule because the closer we are to our boys' routine, the more peaceful home is. Yeah. Whereas like, man, you push the limits. So like, yeah, I, I find myself constantly looking at a clock or a schedule calendar, you know, trying to balance busyness of ministry, busyness of home, plus, you know, trying to take care of my wife as a husband. And so for me, the, those little things definitely can manifest it 
itself in, in the form of busyness. And I think uh, sometimes for me, like the, I guess the spiritual battle in my own home is balancing um, like not just keeping my, my boys busy or distracted or happy in that sense and active because kids are active, but also being intentionally applying something as small as memory verses that Scarlet has kids doing. And, yeah, and instead of constantly go, 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 do, 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 you know, because it's easy as a parent when you come home and you're tired of work from working all day and pouring yourself out to turn on Disney Plus and let, you know, Tomater entertain, you know, the boys <laughs> for 15 minutes instead of diving in even for them and being intentional in that space there. That's good, man. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and then just last question, wrapping up just on this this testing component here. How do we become better testers? How do we become better? Because I can think about times where I thought this was the way of God, or at least it kind of seemed that way, and then it turned out it wasn't. So how do we kind of grow in being better about testing uh, what's of God? That's a really good question, Taylor. I think in time, we recognize um, how much of a war in a battle this is for our minds, um, for our affections, and also in, in relationships. We, we recognize all the, all the little things that the enemy wants to um, influence either through personal stuff, so so not just the enemy out there trying to wreak havoc in my life, but but my own personal enemy, my sinful nature that that is inside that speaks insecurities and things in 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 my mind that makes me think differently about someone or someone else. I think it, it really is time as we pour in more to Jesus, He gives us the opportunity and welcomes us uh, to receive more of that agape love that the rest of this chapter really talks about. And the more we do that, that's when we become more like Jesus. That's when we uh, are able to love those that we disagree with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say for me, it becomes with uh, being intentional and even pressing in or looking into things that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, for an example, like even even things that are biblical and biblical stances, you know, I um, I try to be intentional to look at certain things in a different light than just what was ingrained in me with my like Southern Baptist background and raising. And so, being intentional in those sort of things and finding um, the truth in those gray areas, as you talked about yesterday, you know. I was, very similar in college. I thrived on the open-ended kind of response questions because it left space for that. But um, as far as ironing that out, you know, I think uh, finding that truth is being intentional in things that maybe we haven't heard before or things that we don't initially think or respond a certain way. Just try to look at something through a different lens, through a, a different angle, um, because there are, with many things, I mean, when it comes to following Jesus and, and walking in obedience, is it looks very different for different people in different positions um, and does not compromise, like, the biblical truth of who Jesus is. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. I think this is going to be... Uh, both just personally, I think just as in our culture, this is going to get harder and harder as far as just testing because things get so subtle and things are just getting, uh, it's just the enemy just working strategically based on kind of the culture and just where we're all at right now. And so, uh, yeah, I would, if I add anything, I would just add both not only spending time with God because the more time you spend with someone, the more you know them. And so the more you're able to discern That's and then great. seeking Absolutely. wise counsel has been big in my life too, as far as just, I'm like, Hey, I, I don't know whether this is of God or not, or I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to test this. And so God, just whether that's a community group leader, whether that's a mentor in my life, like being able to go to somebody and say, Hey, I, I need help testing this too, because we're all basing it off of the same 
uh, word of God and just trying to seek his will for our lives. And so those are just two things real quick that, that I would add. But so let's good. jump on to the second point here, which is remember. And this year, just remembering that we have the Holy Spirit of God in us who is already greater and who is, oh, he's already won the battle. And that's something that I just think about, but all of us have grown up in the church to some extent or just for the last few years. And so we know that God has won. We know that we have the Holy Spirit. And yet this is a whole point here just because it's so hard to remember that sometimes. So what are ways that both of y'all have just kept this at the forefront and reminded yourselves that you have the Holy Spirit and that God has already won the battle here? Oh man, yeah, you, you nailed um, it in the head when you said spending time with the Lord and spending time in his word, because that's what his word mm-hmm. teaches us, is, is the truth. Um, the storyline of scripture is very clear that that is the bottom line, that Jesus won. He won when he died. Uh, that doesn't make sense to our culture, that the victory happened through death, and then he defeated death by living. And so he died first and lived second, and uh, is now alive through this spirit that, that indwells um, in everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. And that's a great mystery. And it's also the most powerful truth of, I think, our faith is that the creator of the universe exists um, in us. We now are called temples of the Holy Spirit of God. And remembering that, spending time uh, with people that also believe the same thing, I think is very important. So I'm just reiterating your two points, <laughs> spending more time with God mm-hmm. and then living in community. Um, that's how Jesus calls us to live live life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, um, I mean, obviously spending that time is crucial and is key. Um, but also I think there is a spiritual discipline and art form to be intentional and like purposefully remembering what God has done. And in different seasons, you know, when, when, Things are a struggle, whether it's internally for me or even, um, you know, a marital struggle or or ministerial, whatever it may be, remembering and being intentional to like try to remember like minute details of what God has done in different seasons of of my personal life, whether that was how God carried me through my parents' divorce, how looking back, God carried my wife and I through a miscarriage experience, um, and my student pastor even leaving, being huge, you know, the, just looking at times of hurt um, for me intentionally of remembering how God carried through some of like the lowest of the lows mm-hmm. and really trying to hone in and identify by name and even record if you're a journaler or what. I'm not the best at journaling, but some of the things that I've journaled in the most minute details have been some of the darkest times in life where I can look back and see and that was only God. That's so good, man. And remembering that in the middle of hurt, in the middle of pain, who God was. Mm-hmm. And and that's huge in being intentional in that. That's so good. And I think that also hits um, when we think that the enemy is a person, it reminds us that we don't need to we don't need to see another person as a threat because when the battle's already won, um, we can love that person, recognizing that it is not them. Um, it, it is this spiritual force of darkness. It is the pattern of the world. It is my sinful nature and, and the enemy that is prowling around like a roaring lion. Uh, that That is the enemy, not another person. And so I think mm-hmm. it, it also frees us to love those very people that do hurt us and yeah. let us down. 
Yeah. I mean, just that simple truth that the battle has already been won is so encouraging and yet also recognizes that there is still a battle and that there is still a battle. And so I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on just what are ways that, again, such a simple concept, remembering, you know, what God has done, remembering that God has won the battle, remembering that we have the Holy Spirit. But what is the, what, how, how have y'all seen the enemy's game plan as far as trying to, whether it's distract y'all from remembering or just uh, creating doubts or just kind of small little lies that, uh, distract you or move you away from just being secure and remembering those truths that we just talked about? Isolation. He tries to tell me that I'm the only one, that there's no one else dealing with this, that I'm alone in this, that I'm different, mm -hmm. that I don't fit in. Those, those, are, those are ways that the enemy speaks to me and tries to convince me that, nah, greater is not he who is in you. You're, you're alone. Yeah. He's not in you. Yeah, and for me, it's it's fighting the sometimes the ego and the desire to be right. You know, nobody wants to be wrong. And so for me, um, whether it's in my marriage or even sometimes with students or even um, colleagues, you know, guys that I'm friends with that are student pastors, like, do I want to be right or do I want to model Jesus? Because you can be right and be theologically sound and be and be righteous and, and check all those boxes, but then also completely neglect to be Jesus in that moment. And so to remember that it is spiritual and to remember like in our culture, you know, it, it has to be relationships over being right. I had a mentor tell me all the time um, early on in my ministry is that when it comes to big sin issues or when it comes to confronting someone or going to them, that the relationship bridge has to be strong enough to carry the truth across. And if it's not, yeah. that can create a chasm between not only you and that individual, but the individual spirit and their connection to a church body or even their connection to Jesus. And so do we want to be right at the sacrifice of burning bridges in relationships or do we want to reflect Jesus? And to do that, I don't believe sacrifices, you know, acceptance. You don't have to be accepting. You don't have to be, you know, all um, inclusive in that regard as, as we've talked about those things before. But, um, you know, you can reflect Jesus while also not having to be this, you know, ironclad, I'm in the right. If you oppose me, you're in the wrong. Because all that does is, is burn bridges. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Okay, so this third point here as we cap off, it's just going to be on loving first. Jose, kind of the, the application question you had us asking is just simply, am I loving first? And so I'd love to kind of expound on that a little bit. What are some other questions as we kind of just try to analyze, self-analyze, and just try to figure out how can we grow in this area? Uh, maybe what are ways in which you can tell whether you are truly living first? And maybe what does not loving first look like in order to first get there? That's a good question. These are very good questions today, Taylor. They're making me think deeply. <laughs> Let's see. Well, if I am waiting for someone to fill in the blank, then that's not me loving first. Um, now, let me throw in a caveat. If I'm waiting for someone to agree with me, that may not be what we're talking about here. You know, waiting for someone to come around, waiting for someone to, you know, that's different. But I'm, I'm talking about waiting for someone to do something so that I can love them, pursue them, show them that there's someone that cares, someone that sees them, someone that wants to know them. Um, I think Jesus modeled that so beautifully as he humbly considered others above himself consistently to the point of death on a cross. Philippians 2 speaks to that in a very real and beautiful and challenging way. 
So I think waiting, if we're waiting, um, that may be a sign that we can love first in that circumstance or relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, as I think about that, is who who is at the center? Because at the time, at times, I can do good things, right? Quote unquote. Um, but my myself be at the center and what I get from that draw. Um, is someone going to walk away singing my praises and how awesome I am? Um, in that regard, I mean, I'm not loving that person well in that moment. I'm loving myself. Um, but then at other times, you know, is that individual in that moment at the center? Is their spirit at the center? Is their feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and, and what they need when I put that person first, regardless of whether it may be my opposing opinion or belief or, or whatever, um, yeah, I, I just think that that it's, for me, it's the heart, the internal motivation in that moment of whether I am loving first or not. Am I trying to prove a point? Am I trying to make myself look great? Or am I genuinely caring for that person because that's what, Jesus has led me to in that moment and making them feel and believe like they are the thing that matters most in that moment. I'd love to talk a little bit about agape love and just this concept of unconditional love, because I think about not only the world that Jesus, when he came on earth and was so much of the law was very conditional and it was very um, kind of works-based, but that's even how our culture is now. Even though we wouldn't necessarily say it or phrase it that way, everything is based on conditions, whether it's our job, whether it's a lot of our relationships. And so how as Christians can we you know, love others unconditionally with this agape love that God's given us when pretty much everything around us, the the structure, societal norms and rules are still just very much based on, on conditions. What Tyler just said is a great way to do it. You recognize who's, who's in the, who's at the center. And so if there's an agenda there, uh, I'm doing this so that the other person fill in the blank. Uh, even if that fill in the blank is like me or, or serve me in return. Um, that's, that's not agape. Now, again, that's not to say that, for example, another Greek word, Philadelphia or, or phila, phila, which means brotherly or sisterly love, this affection that does take, it's a two-way street. Um, that, that is important and totally biblical, but the concept of agape is, um, let's, let me, let me read here. Um, we didn't do anything to earn God love. So in this is love, not that we have loved God. This is, uh, Chapter, uh, verse 10 of chapter four. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Meaning there was no agenda. Jesus loved us, period. And of course, I guess the agenda is relationship. He wants us to, to, to have relationship, to have this bond and intimacy with our creator. But he wasn't waiting on us. He went ahead and, and loved us. So I think identifying what agendas we may have when we do an act of love is um, a good way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think of the model that Jesus left himself in John chapter 8 with a woman caught in adultery. I mean, what did he have from that standpoint to win in that moment? Uh, As he intercedes, writes in the sand, stands in front of all her accusers, which were religious zealots, by the way, like the holy of holies, right, Mm -hmm. if you will, when it comes to people. And he stands in the gap and loves her, at the cost of himself, his position, his credibility. And then when everyone's gone, he doesn't just leave her where she is or, you know, there's, there's more to the story in the sense of like, 
helps her up and then gives her the charge to change her lifestyle, you know? And so in our culture, in our world, and as polarizing as so many hot topic things are right now, I constantly go back to that example. And how can I love someone that is in the middle of a sinful lifestyle? How can I stand in the gap before their accusers, love them well, but then also charge them with the change that comes through the gospel Mm -hmm. and and what Jesus offers. And and I think that's what we have to focus in on is the willingness to walk in that obedience and to stand for the things that we do need to stand for. But then at the same time, above anything else, before Jesus did anything with the woman caught in adultery, he loved her Mm -hmm. and he defended her, not her choices, but her as an individual. And from that, we don't know what happened. Did she go and sin no more? Did she just return to life as normal? Like, we don't know, Mm -hmm. but we know what Jesus did. And that's, that's the model to follow. Yeah, that's so good. If I had anything else, it would just be just recognizing my own brokenness. I think that's something that both of y'all kind of hit on, but just the humility that that requires. I think about uh, judging others and their actions is easy when I don't look at myself or let's not talk about the consequences of my own sin or the, the grace that I need from God. Let's just talk about kind of everyone else's wrongs. And so because of that, that creates these conditions as far as conditions to loving others, conditions for uh, just even receiving other people's love. So I think that that's another thing too that I just think about is being mindful uh, of my own brokenness and just in that humility, being able to not only receive God's love, which is a concept we've talked about for the last few weeks, but then also being able to overflow that to other people as well. So this has been a really good conversation. Jose, I'll give you the final word, as well as a look forward to next week as we cap off the series. Closing out the series with chapter five, a lot of fun stuff. So I'll leave it at that. And I think about what we say at the beginning of most gatherings when we say we are an imperfect people. That's who we are at Cypress Creek Church. We're not perfect. So Taylor, the fact that you ended with that, I think was so good and so important for us to recognize our need for Jesus first, and then recognize that the perfect one is using us to model his perfect love that cast out all fear into this choppy waters that we navigate through life. So I love that mystery and I love putting it together. So thanks for the conversation, guys. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.